Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Joined with me here today is Brandon Cameron. What's going on, buddy? Welcome back to the show. Hey, long time no see. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so, not a very good weekend for the Leafs. Not a good effort out there. They led in both games and only came away, came away with the three points. They allowed Montreal to climb to within five points of the Leafs with that win in overtime. And really, the third period collapses were the story of both of those games. Yeah. Like, just they went into Anaheim up 3 1 in the third. And totally collapsed there. Anaheim outworked them. They were coming off their a back-to-back that had just gone to overtime. And they're playing the third game in four nights. So you would think that they would it would have been opposite. It would have been a chance for the Leafs to really step on the pedal and really go after the the Ducks. But they just kind of folded and, and left Jack Campbell out to dry in what was his, his Leafs debut. And I felt really bad for Campbell. They were able to come yeah. away with the win. You know, Johnny on the spot with the OT winner. But still, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe wasn't pleased with that third period effort. None of us were pleased with that third period effort. Uh, what are your thoughts on the game? The thing is, it's the Leafs are starting to build this really troubling trend of, of, of folding in and caving and conceding the tying goals no matter what in the third period, which is a really alarming. Like, it's a, like for Leafs fans, it's an obvious, like, Red flag, but um, I they still got three out of four points on the weekend on the bright side, regardless of of giving up their leads and blowing leads and stuff. They got they went to overtime against Montreal, which they honestly didn't deserve to make it to, but they got a point, which was helpful. Which was they need the points. The you can't deny that they got the points. They did, which is good, which is fine. But like you got it, it's troubling. It is troubling for sure. To me, like I wish it was flipped where they got two points over Montreal because Montreal, don't look now, but they're kind of back in the playoff race. Like as we sit now, there are only five points back of the Leafs. Like they're they're not that far off from the playoffs. They're not that scary. Though. No, they but don't, they, could, they don't worry me. But they could go on a heater. Like I don't know. Like you look at the way that Ilya Kovalchuk has kind of rejuvenated this team. I wouldn't be surprised if this team doesn't end up selling and they try and, and fight to get themselves into the playoff spot, like along with Florida and and uh, and Toronto for that final spot in the the division. I don't know if the wild card spot that might be locked up a little bit. I think uh, they've that's what like 69, 68 points, something like that for some Pittsburgh but, and Philly. Like that's that's pretty much um, no Columbus. Columbus, yeah. Columbus was seventy Actually, points. Think, are you sure Columbus isn't in the third spot? They might be. It might be no, Carolina. I, I, no, the I, Carolina just jumped them again. No, Carolina's not even there. Really? They're not even the in the Islander, playoff picture it's, right now? it's uh Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. Oh really? And then Columbus. right below them is Columbus and then really? Philly. So they might have the those wildcard spots locked up. So what you know, these divisional games mean so much and for a team that we thought was kind of out of it, you know, they're they're back. I think they've got seven wins in their last ten. Like they're they're not doing that bad. They lost last night to Arizona, who the least played tonight. Uh, they'll get them on the second night of a back-to-back, which should bode well for your confidence going into the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but well, let's let's get to the good, the bad, the ugly. I guess uh, sure. over the weekend, we can kind of couple both games: the Anaheim game and the Montreal game. So I'll I'll start first. For me, the good. I thought the newbies played uh, really well. Yeah, no, they did. You know, uh, Kyle Clifford. You know, he he came out. He's right away try to lay a big hit in his first shift out there um ended up kind of hitting the boards though but 
you know, he got involved physically, which is good to see. He's going to, he's going to be a fan favorite. You already know like, oh, like yeah, some of the, the interviews that he's done already. And, and what he's saying to the media, you, you just love him. Dude, even Campbell too. Like he, like the interviews he's had so far, like it's like a, like I yeah. love the running internet meme that Jack Campbell goes on dinner dates with everybody on the Maple Leafs. Like it's so funny. Yeah. Like, like it's so, Anderson like, went on a yeah. date the other night. <laughs> like it's so, it's so like, it's so like cute and charming and refreshing to see like a player come to Toronto and just like generally like you can genuinely see that that Campbell and Clifford both real are really excited to be here. Yeah. Which is exciting. Well you come from LA, which, you know, they had their run, but they're on the downswing. They're getting into a rebuild. They weren't experiencing winning so much. So now they're coming to Toronto, which is the hockey mecca of the world, and they're gonna be able to compete for the playoffs and they're right in getting right into the middle of it. Yeah, so, no, it's a great. You know, so I thought Clifford, you know, use that physicality that we need, that sandpaper that the Leafs, there's been a void in the lineup. So that's what he needs to do. That's his bread and butter. And I think that that's going to really, uh, it's going to really shine a little bit later into the season. Jack Campbell thought that he was awesome. You know, he gave up a four spot in against Anaheim, but that really wasn't his fault. Like if you take a look yeah, at, no, was- at those goals, like that first one, he couldn't really do much. The second goal was a rebound that was kind of batted out of the air. The fourth goal was just the Hail Mary that found its way through traffic and just kind of got shoveled into the back of the net so much in front that he couldn't just find the puck. Um, but I thought he played really well in Montreal. Made some huge saves. They, you know, they got peppered, what was it, 15 or 16 to 1 in the third Something period. Ridiculous. And they, they you know, only were able to get one goal on him. I felt so bad that you know he played so well. And it, it really did seem like for a second there, he didn't want to say it, he may have been able to get a shutout against Montreal. If he would have yeah. been able to make one more save, they would have shut out Montreal and then they would have gotten the two points. Montreal would have gotten zero, and and that at this point could have really put them put them away. Like if you think about it, if they would have been able to get the full two points, and Montreal didn't get anything, now you're looking and there that would make them seven points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, I and guess. Then you don't have to look back really ever, right? Right. Yeah. Like so now, you, like right now, like, I guess the Leafs points. do have to kind of turn around and and see they can't just like keep doing what they're doing. No, because you know three, you know. You go in, a, in, a, in the next 10-game stretch, and the Leafs only win five. But if Montreal wins seven, well, now you're looking. Montreal's, what, one point back at you? Yeah, that's risky. Like, that's, that's really risky. So, But it's it's. I thought that he played well. There was nothing you could do on that on that overtime game. What are you telling me tonight? Uh, I see that. Freddie Anderson's going to be out tonight. We'll get to that a little bit later um, when we preview the game tonight. But, yeah, sneak peek. Freddie out. So Jack Campbell getting another start. Uh, speaking of Campbell, For, can can I just yeah. do my quick little take on on Campbell? I mean, he did give up four against the Ducks. He gave up that one kind of weak goal against mm-hmm. Montreal, but he's your. I wouldn't even call it that weak. It, but it, it was a little bit weak. But again, you can live like as a team, you can live with your backup letting in a bad goal. But he only let in one. He looks so. I am so much more confident in Jack Campbell's ability to make a save than seeing Michael Hutchison flop around doing whatever the hell he wants in net all willy-nilly. 100%. All, like, Jack Campbell has a lot more focus, 100%. which is so much more reassuring. And even Campbell getting this extra start tonight, like I'm I'm confident that he can come out with a win. Yeah, for place. sure, definitely. And, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but no, Jack Campbell played really well over the weekend. Like I said, he's going to get another start tonight, another chance to acquaint himself with the team. Uh, the other new newbie, I guess we'll call it, Lilligren. I thought that he had a really good weekend. Oh, Lilligren was really Lilligren and Sandy looked really good. Yeah, they looked. I, re- that, 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 those are my good, by the way. Going to be a good. Yeah, no, for <laughs> the, sure. Yeah, those are my good. Um, playing their bottom pair of a nineteen-year-old and a twenty-year-old 
that didn't get caved in. They didn't get – I don't even know how much they played. They probably played like 15, 16 minutes, I'd imagine, right? Uh, I'm look it up if you keep talking. I'll Dang. look it up while you talk. But they, they looked really, really solid. Like, Lilligren's effort on the blue line is – actually, not his effort. It's It's – he has just a natural ability to do things that Cody CC never will be able to do and never has been able to do. Like you can just kind of see the ability that Lilligren has to make a play. Like there's this one pinch on Friday night against Anaheim where there's this one offensive zone shift with Lilligren and Sanding in the attacking zone with the Matthews line. And like Sanding just kept keeping it in and in and in. And then Lilligren just always found a way to find a lane for something to happen. Yeah which is something I've never seen from Cody Cece in that role, and I never will see from Cody Cece in that role. But just Lilligren has the hockey smarts to, like, to fit in. So here's the thing with Lilligren and Sandine. They're still being tightly managed. Yeah, no, and they have right? to be. Right? And they have to be. You know, they're, they're still very, very young, 19, 20-year-old defensive pairing. Like, you're going to want to shelter them a little bit. And, you know, so Lilligren played just over 10 minutes in that game. But in it those 10 like minutes, more. it seemed like more because he was extremely effective. It yeah. seemed like every time he was put out there, he was making something happen. He was effective and he was noticeable out on the ice, which yeah. sometimes isn't a good thing for a defenseman if you're noticeable in a game. But for him, it was he was noticeable quite often on the offensive side of, yeah. of the puck, which is a good thing. Uh, and Sandine played just under 14 minutes a game, got some some penalty or uh, yeah, some penalty killing time, which. Lilligren has some penalty kill time too, didn't he? Uh, I, I, not sw- Saturday, I swear, no. Not, no, not on Saturday, but on Friday night he was on the penalty kill. I know for sure. He may have finished off like a shift or something yeah, like that. I think he finished off like, like the tail end of one of the Ducks power plays. Yeah. But he looked good, man. But yeah, like, they looked they really, really good. good. Uh, all right, let's move on. I, actually, I do got to give a, a big shout out to the big guns because I thought that the game against Anaheim specifically, Martyr Matthews Tavares, probably the best game that all three of them played through the first two periods. Dude, the Leafs are a nightmare. The Leafs are a nightmare to match up against if those three are jumping. Dude, that, they, and, they were and Nylander too, and include Nylander well, as well. Was, but he's he out. out. He was out this weekend. But like in general, like when when the big guys are jumping, the Leafs are scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Bad. We got we got kind of roll through these here, but bad. I Tyson Berry was awful this weekend. <sighs> Tyson Berry disgusts me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all we need to say about Tyson Berry? Yeah, he disgusts me. Yeah, I don't I don't bad. like talking about Tyson Berry. Um, and then ugly, we kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, the third periods in both those games were Atrocious. really ugly. Um, leading 3-1 the third versus Anaheim, they gave up three, ended up winning it in overtime, but then in against Montreal, led one nothing. The, they had one shot on goal that entire period. They got outshot. It was that goal. It was Tavares And goal. it turned out to be it was, it was it was the goal. goal. <laughs> but they were outshot by Montreal, like, 15, 16 to 1. For me, Saturday night was much, much worse than Friday night. Because at least they managed to like continue to play, I guess, a little bit against the Ducks. Like They kind of bounced back and actually rallied. See, I, thought it was opposite. I thought it was, I thought it was opposite. the opposite. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. in Montreal they just gave up. They, they were like, we'll take this goal, and then we're going to do nothing for the rest of the game. And they didn't do a single thing the rest of the game. I just... I don't know. I, I, I They were both bad. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll be man. honest with you. It's, I, a, I it's like a lesser either, of evil, right? I didn't like either period. But I thought against, yeah, I guess. Montreal was pretty brutal. Like, because in... The thing in, was, guess, they, uh, well, they were sustaining, they just weren't getting any shots. Like, it wasn't that they were totally shut out and the, the entire game was played in the Leafs' end. 
might as well have been. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it know. Might, it might as well have been. They, Maybe they I'm looked, misremembering. They, a they, days looked, ago. they looked pretty awful. And I just, I, I like the Leafs' response on Friday night with the Spezza goal after the Ducks had tied it. Like, I thought that Spezza goal was like a pretty big. Oh, that was, like, oh, was, that a, was vintage Spezza. It was a big. Come off was, the wing, fakes the slap. They don't call him vintage for nothing, it, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, He's, that was, I was like, that's a big, like, emotional goal for the Maple Leafs, which is kind of. I think that's probably the difference for me, where the Leafs kind of had some emotion against the Ducks, I guess, and they kind of just came out flat against a team that I would rather them not come out flat against, right? Yeah. I think that's the part, too, where your expectations are kind of like, they're, I expect more from the Maple Leafs to, on Saturday night against Montreal than I do Friday night against Anaheim, right? Yeah. Like, I'm always going to expect more from them in that scenario, and they let me down. That's what they did. They let me down. They did. They did. And it was just discussing third periods, and, and like you said earlier, it's kind of becoming a trend, just something that needs to be addressed, I think. Uh, I think I saw also at home. They haven't played well at home either. Like, the game against Anaheim, um, you know, kind of your not-so-fun stat of the day. That's just their ninth regulation. Like, they've only had uh, – Oh, no, I guess they didn't win. But they've only had nine regulation wins at Scotiabank. Really? Yeah. Dude. So only a third of their games at home have ended with regulation wins. So I haven't really noticed. Like, I haven't really, like, noticed that they don't just, win at home, really. Yeah, no, like, their the whole thing is, I don't, splits are The thing is, I don't ever all. remember them losing on the road, ever. They never lose on the road. Like, there were 500, well, I don't know how you include overtime wins. I include overtime losses as losses. And if you do that, they're 500. Like, they only have 14 wins of 28 at home. It's not great. No, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up next, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll uh, let's tee up the game tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, the return of Phil the Thrill Castle. I miss Phil. We'll get to that next. All right. Welcome back to Locked on These Podcasts. Mike DiStefano alongside Brandon Cameron. All right, so we already got a little bit of news for tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes. They're coming in, not playing too well as of late, just 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. They've been without their star netminder, Darcy Kemper, which I think has been a really, really big loss for them. Uh, I think now we're starting to realize how good of a goaltender Kemper really is because he puts this team not only in a playoff spot, but like a pretty securely, secure securely. divisional spot. Like They're division contenders with Kemper. And then without Kemper, with Antti Ranta, they're not even a playoff team. So Kemper, you know, he he had a setback yesterday, which is unfortunate. So he's not going to be back uh, tonight. He's not going to be back. You know, it's kind of up in the air now when he's going to come back. So hopefully it's not too long because they can't afford uh, to go on a, another bad run here. They just three points in the last t- or uh, three wins in the last ten. Currently on the outside looking in, tied for the final wild card spot. So they are still fighting into the playoffs, but most. And more importantly, it's the return of Phil the Thrill Kessel. You excited? Oh, think he'll yeah. have, have a good game tonight? You think he's going to have a, oh, no. a revenge game? No. No, that, that, that side of Phil's got. <laughs> Dude, he plays in Arizona now. He's yeah. uh, he's moved on to bigger and better things. I don't think Toronto's in his uh, in his rearview mirror here. I think he's just kind of sitting on patios and... Eating his hot dogs. Enjoying his thing. Doing Enjoying his thing. Phil's doing Phil. Yeah, I think Phil's going to keep doing Phil for a while. So the the Yotes are interesting. They made an all-in move trading for Taylor Hall earlier in the year. It just hasn't paid off like it was supposed to. It really seemed like they had turned a corner and they were getting ready to make a playoff run. Again, this was before Kemper got hurt. 
and they made that big trade, giving up a first-rounder, giving up a couple of prospects to get Taylor Hall, and it just hasn't worked out. The marriage has not been right, and now there's a conversation that they may even try and move Taylor Hall again, who's a pending UFA, and if he's not willing to re-sign in Arizona, which they're a non-traditional hockey market. They, A, might not be willing to pay him as much as everybody else, and B... He might not want to be there. Exactly. <laughs> just he might not want to. A, he's a Canadian, so, you know, I'm sure he would love to play in the Canadian market. You know, I he did obviously play in Edmonton for years, but, you know, a team like, like Montreal who could use a star scorer, I'm sure they'd be willing to open up the checkbook quite a bit to get him in they the lineup. Too. So, you know, he's a player that they may even look to, to move again, but... You know, the, the Coyotes, uh, I think that they're they're a decent team. I thought that they've put together a pretty good squad. I like what they're doing on the back end. Up front, uh, with the addition of Taylor Hall and, and Phil Kessel earlier this summer, I think that they've done a, really, a lot of really good things. I think it'll be a good matchup tonight. I actually don't think Arizona's that that deep up front. Really? I, 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 think, we're I think they have a lot of – I think Arizona's forward group is a lot of, um, a lot of good working forwards. But I don't know if they have a lot of like their score. They don't have a lot of scores. Like Keller and Hall are obviously scores. Phil can be a scorer at sometimes, but he's not. Schmaltz having a good year. Schmaltz also a decent scorer, but after that, like what do they have? Dvorak, Christian Fisher. Those guys aren't like big time scorers. They're like they're decent like bottom six players. Yeah, but not many teams in the Maple Leafs and have five legitimate goal scorers on their team. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like you're you're looking I guess it. I maybe I am a spoiled Leafs fan, right? Exactly. You're looking <laughs> at it in the lens of a Leafs fan. Like most teams only have like two or three, you know, elite players on their team and then they got to try and fill it without. Like I think they have really good depth, which is something that you know, what you need to go through the playoffs is to have that good depth, which is something that they have. So I think with the with the Leafs, they'll match up really well because one through four, I think that the Leafs, though going into the season, didn't look like they were going to have a lot of good depth, but it seems they found like some. they've they, had good depth. Like The Leafs have found depth. Well, because Pierre Engvall has turned into be a good player. Uh, early in the season, Trevor Moore and Mikheyev were, were really good for their depth. Jason Spezza has found the fountain of youth, so he's turned out to be a really solid addition. Kapanen, obviously, we know he's a really good player in third line. Then they added Kyle Clifford, who's a great fourth liner. That's an underrated thing about the Maple Leafs, is those players made players like Kapanen and Janssen expendable. Yes. Like the the emergence of Pierre Engvall. Yeah. That just... That solves so many issues for the Maple Leafs. It gives them a trade chip, right? 100%. Like, it gives them a thing to go in on to help get better, which is super nice. Which is something I don't think a lot of people expected from the Maple Leafs. No, like well, cause I, personally, I didn't expect that from them, but I think that they have provided it, and it's like it's it's a welcome addition, right? But they had to have so much turnover with this season that they had what twelve new players in their lineup something opening like night. That. Like it was ridiculous, and and they just have kept bringing up new guys, and they had to just keep kind of bringing the turnover uh, with the young players that are kind of coming up through the system through the Marlies since Keith really took over. Um, but but it's 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 worked out really well, and it seems like some of these guys are, are quite the steals. You know, Engvall, a, a seventh-round pick. Um, you know, Dimitro Timoshov was, what, like a fifth-round pick, I think. Something like that. You know, he was a late-round pick, so they're, they're starting to fill out the roster with some of these back-end uh, back of the draft guys, which is really what sets apart the successful organizations from the non-successful organizations. Like the Oilers. Exactly. <laughs> you can't just rely on your first and second round picks. Uh, that being said, uh, they did trade out a couple of picks a couple of couple of days ago to bring in Jack Campbell. And Jack Campbell will be getting a start tonight. Freddie yep. Anderson not quite ready to go. 
Uh, so this will be his third game for the Leafs and his third start for the Leafs. What are you expecting out of, out of Campbell tonight? Another Western opponent who, I, who he knows we, very well, another yeah, divisional that's opponent. Actually, that's what I was going to say, actually. Like, I, I, I think it's a good opportunity to give Jack Campbell another chance to go at it because it's somebody he knows well, right? Like, that's the thing for the main plays. I think that they're in a point at a point right now where they're going to play Jack Campbell against those Western Pacific teams. For, for the most part, I'd imagine that they have them. I don't even know how many they have left. There's probably not too many, but... Like, yeah, he's he's like there's there's probably not more than three or four. Actually, no, they still have a West Coast trip, don't they? I don't know. I, I have his numbers. No, they're did their West Coast trip. I think. I don't think they have. I think the Leafs have their West Coast trip coming up soon. Ah, uh, uh, you might be right, but I already have. I have his uh, career numbers against Coyotes. If you want it, sure. What's his? Uh, so he's three two and one with a two forty five goals against and a nine twenty save percentage. So I, I, very winnable. Yeah. Very winnable game. No, that's if, if, if he just puts out his his career average against them, where he only gives up two, maybe three goals tonight, I think it's very winnable. For Thing him. is, too, he did that. He did it with the Kings. Yeah, yeah. and maybe the Stars was probably a game or two in there too. But uh, like he only played one game for the Stars, I think. Like really, like yeah. one career game with the Stars, seriously. Yeah. Oh. And it was against Anaheim. Oh, <laughs> so I saw a funny stat that all three teams that he's played for in the NHL and uh, Dallas, LA, and Toronto. All three of his debuts for that team or against was against Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I, thought that I was actually didn't. Stat. That's actually wild. That's wild. Then, yeah, no, like it. He played them with the Kings, who gave him an offensive support against the the Coyotes as well. So I I like his chances going into going into Arizona tonight. I think Ranta's starting for the Coyotes. I'd imagine, right? Yeah. He's coming back tonight. Um, I think I like the Leafs' chances. I like his chances to have a decent performance. They don't Arizona doesn't scare me. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not that intimidating. Um, I like this one too because it's a. Remember, Sheldon Keefe's first game was against Arizona. Yeah, so it's a four-one win, right? Yeah, so this is going to be uh, kind of a, a reunion. No, huh? coming full circle. I, I guess. Yeah, all right. Let's I say know. full circle is, is, I guess, the word that I'm looking for there. Um, but if you recall in that game, that was kind of where Tyson Berry broke out. So maybe you can have a good bounce back game here tonight after a tough weekend. I'm okay. hoping Here, so. <laughs> here's the problem on Tyson Berry is I think he's a really good offensive player. Here's the thing. He plays 25 minutes for this team. Like since Riley's been out, Barry's up to 25 minutes a game. Barry is a good offensive player, but he he just but Brandon, drives he plays me defense. off the wall. <laughs> like he just does he makes such reckless plays all the time. Like it it's it's not fun. It's not fun to watch. I, like I can't I can't do it. I can't. Right. I can't take any more Tyson Berry. All right, real quick. I need a prediction from you and the score. Um, I think the Leafs come in on top with a four-two win. I also have a four-two win, and I got Matthew scoring and taking the Richard lead tonight. I'm scoring two. Yeah, I'm going two. I'm going two. Oh, I, actually, you know what? Big guy. I'm gonna go bigger. I have him scoring two on on Ranta and an empty netter. So a hat trick. A hat trick. His third career hat trick? Yes. So he went, what, four years in between hat tricks? And he's going to have two. And then he's going to have two. That's not unreasonable. That's not unreasonable. No, it's not. <laughs> the way he's he's playing, one of the best scorers in the NHL. That is not unreasonable. Playing, it's not. All right. It actually blows my mind how crazy it was between hat tricks for that. How the, yeah. Like, that, like, I can't believe he went four years without a hat-trick. Well, because Line A scored a hat-trick the other night, and then I saw it was his eighth career hat-trick. I'm like, like... Dude, Matthews is like 15. Like <laughs> so, so many more goals like than Line A. Dude. And 
Matthews had like 15 two-goal games in that time. Probably yeah. even more. Probably yeah. closer to 20. Lots of them. Like, Lots he of them. just, all he does is score two goals, man. Yeah. All right, uh, coming up in the next segment, there was a trade that went down last night, so we'll talk about that. Pittsburgh uh, making a big splash, and uh, we'll chat about that next. All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you, joined by Brandon Cameron. We have some breaking news, actually, first. Uh, Chris Johnson of Sportsnet reporting now that Connor McDavid out two to three weeks per Ken Holland, uh, hoping for less than that. But as of now, that's the timetable they have. Ran hard into the boards on Saturday night, uh, and it was in the same knee, if I'm not mistaken, that he had that surgery on over the summer, or didn't have the surgery on, actually. Oh, he elected to... No, no, no. No, no, no it was the it same, was the same knee, but that he elected to kind of forego the surgery, uh, which kind of put him at risk for, you know, maybe it's, it, it might not strengthen as much as you would hope to if you would have went through surgery, but he didn't want to have to give up the entire season to do so. Um, massive, massive playoff implications for the Oilers there, who currently are in a spot... Uh, fighting tooth and nail with the Arizona Coyotes for a divisional spot or, or maybe even a wild card spot if, if they can get it going. Big loss. Yeah, I don't like their chances. No. Considering they're a team that only has two players that can really play good quality NHL minutes. It's a big loss. Uh, losing one of your two guys, that's not ideal. <laughs> like, there's no – they're done. If they, if he's gone for three if – if it's any longer than three weeks – and even then, three weeks they might be done anyways. Yeah, but they're done. Like they don't. They're done. There's. They don't stand a chance. So they're currently second in the Pacific Division with 64 points, and they got two games in hand on Vegas, Calgary, Winnipeg, and three games in hand on Arizona. So if they do have a saving grace, it's that they do have a couple of games in hand, which means that they have a couple of losses in them that won't be as detrimental as if they had uh, the same amount of games played. That's the only silver lining about this happening now. So it's uh, it's it's a quad injuries is, I guess, what they're calling it. Um, so, yeah, McDavid expected to be out two to three weeks for Edmonton. Um, speaking of a team with some big injuries, the Pittsburgh Penguins this season have had a lot of injuries. A yeah, lot no, of they, they've overcome them, though. A hundred percent. Malkin was out for some time. Crosby was out for like a two months, time. almost six weeks, two months. Uh, Gensel's out for the season. Latang has missed time. Tristan Yeri <laughs> has missed a little bit. Oh, not Yeri. Uh, Matt Murray yeah. has missed time, which has allowed Tristan Yeri to kind of come on the scene. Jari, sorry. <laughs> I called him Yeri all the year last season. So oh, really? stuck in my yeah. I thought it was a silent J. Anyways, Tristan Jari. I don't know why. I, I thought it was weird yeah um yeah the pittsburgh has overcome a lot they're yeah. they're they've, they've overcome stuff um but they made a big trade they've added to the core they've kind of replaced jake gensel and the deal is as follows jason zucker going from minnesota to pittsburgh for alex galchenyuk defensive prospect kaylin addison and a 2020 first round pick uh, the, the the pick is technically lottery protected, and Pittsburgh has the option if they do miss out of the playoffs, which I don't see happening. They're pretty securely in, uh, of deferring it to a 2021. But for all intents and purposes, uh, a 2020 first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's a steep price. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely it's definitely a high price for 
for Jason Zucker. I, I I'm not thrilled with giving up a first. Like if I'm if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm not thrilled to do that for Zucker. But the thing is with that, I also think Zucker's a really good fit. I think he fits slots in really nicely on Crosby or Malkin's wing. And then you also have him for three more years, too. Yeah. He's under contract for three more years. So when they get Gensel back, too, they have two like really good top six left wingers. Yeah, for like, sure. And at $5.5 million for a guy who you're hoping is a 30-goal scorer. See, this is the thing about Jason Zucker. You, like, he's, he's kind of on the older side, too. So, you know, the fact that he does have another three years left on his term, you know, at 27, 28 years old, he's kind of exiting his prime and starting his decline. So his career high is 33 goals, and that was once he did that in 2017, 2018. Other than that, he's more of a 20 to 25 goal scorer, even on a good year. 20, like 22 is usually his average. He's only got 14 goals this year. That's quite the price to pay for, for something. Like 30, he's got 29 points. That's, that's not a lot. To be fair, though, he's been playing in Minnesota without a without a real number one centerman. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's been playing with Eric Stahl, but Eric Stahl is like, what, 37 now? He's still productive. He's fine, but he's not He's not Eric Stahl of, of 2009 where he's winning cups. I don't think he's that old. 37? Was he drafted? 03? I think he's 37. So 17, 35? Maybe 35. He's older than you think. I think he's 35. That's my guess, 35. Look it up. But, no, I, I agree with you. You know, He goes to a much better situation with Pittsburgh. Um, oh, he's 35. Yeah, thanks, Tips. Relax. <laughs> was drafting in 03. Would have been 18. 17 years ago. 18 Good plus math, 17, man. 35. Wow. You should be an accountant. Quick maths. Quick maths. Um, no, I, I just, I, I think Zucker would flourish under, like, playing with a centerman like Crosby or Malkin. Like, I, I think he's the kind of player that would thrive in that atmosphere. At the end of the day, this is what it's all about. It's the price of winning cups, right? You, yeah. you want to maximize 87 and 71's window. And that's probably like another three to five years of their like good window where you can kind of go in all in with these guys and they're not going to tail off on you. And that's yeah. that's five years on a on a good note. Like they're they're both that's now probably over a little thirty, bit less. probably a little bit less. Like I think Balkan's what thirty three, and Crosby thirty two. I think Crosby's older. No, but uh, Malkin's older. Malcolm was drafted in Ovechkin's year. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, yeah he was. He was second overall. Yeah. So he might be 34 and 33. Says 32. Like Malkin, I believe, 33 or 34. Regardless, uh, you know, you, you only have a few more years left of, of these guys' elite play where you can rely on them to bring you to a cup. Yeah. So you got to go all out and try and do whatever you can to stay competitive, to keep up with the Boston's the Washingtons and the Tampas and the St. Louis's of today's league. And I think that's what this trade does. You know, the loss, oh, no, of, the loss sure. of Gensel was huge. Like, he was their biggest goal-scoring threat so far this season. Brian Russ has emerged as a really nice piece. Yeah. But now you add Zucker, and I think Pittsburgh gets back into that conversation as a cup contender. Yeah, no, for, for sure. That that That's the move for Pittsburgh, really, right? Yeah. Like, uh, before that move yesterday, I would say they were probably a step below the Washingtons or the Washingtons – uh, Boston's, Tampa's, and St. Louis's of the league. Like, they were probably just a tier below. But that trade puts them into that conversation. Do you imagine? Like, I just said. I know. It puts them like in the Like, verbatim, that's what it is. Okay, well, shut up. <laughs> All right? No, but, like, Zucker is a good fit. 
with Malkin and Russ. Like, could you imagine the Penguins rolling out their second line in the playoffs? Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Russ. Like, that's a real that's a top line on most teams. I like it. Like you said, he's got terms. He's got three more left, three more years left after this. So you know, Gensel gets back, goes on the wing with with uh, with with Sidney Crosby. You have Jeremy McCann on the other side, Patrick Cornfist. Like, I really like the way that their top six is now kind of set up mm-hmm. uh, going forward, not only for this year but the next few years. Uh, but but the big thing for me, you talk about. You know, you don't like the fact that they gave up a first round pick. I don't like it. No. I, here's I, I'm not a big fan of giving up first round picks unless it's for a needle mover. And I think although Zucker's not a a superstar talent that you would consider being worth a first round pick, I think adding him to your lineup moves the needle from just a playoff team to a cup contender, which to me makes this price worth it. It's steep. It's an overpay. But for Pittsburgh in their situation, I think it's worth it because it gets them into the conversation. No, that's an excellent yeah. point. I, I love the way you said that. Yeah. <laughs> that was excellent. Um, but here's the other thing. Let's kind of tie it back to the Leafs a little bit. This means that Minnesota is open for business. Oh, yeah, it does. And there's about three solid defensemen that a lot of Leafs fans, including myself, have kind of been eyeing in Minnesota that we could try and pry and bring here. Yeah. Whether that's Matt Dumba, Jared Spurgeon, or Jonas Brody. All three of those players would look amazing in a Leafs uniform. Yeah. Um, do you see – now, based on the price that we saw it took to get Jason Zucker, does that scare you a little bit as a Leaf fan because what the price might – turn out to be for one of those other star defensemen who also have a lot of term left on their deals. Okay, so I have an interesting perspective on this. I think that the Leafs can get a deal done for one of those defensemen, but there's a player in the mix that not a lot of people talk about that I think the Leafs are going to have to part with if they're getting a solid defenseman. And it's Travis Dermott. Who? Travis Dermott. Okay. I think they have to part with Travis Dermott. Interesting. If they're going to get a defenseman, like uh, I don't know, there's, there's not room on their left side for him. If they're going to shore up their right side, which they need to, they either have to switch Travis Dermott to the right side, which they haven't shown any inclination towards doing yet. They haven't really proven that Travis Dermott really hasn't proven he's been able to switch sides. Like, really? Like, yeah. he did it, I guess, in the AHL, but, I mean, he hasn't really proven it at the big league level. Yeah. Um, and he's got value around the league, too, right? Like, he's a guy you could – I think the Leafs could part with, with given what he provides to them. Um and he's and young like, enough, 23, yeah. we're still Minnesota. Exactly. We're, we'll be able where teams to, can see something in this guy that they could actually, like... Yeah, he can still you, develop. Yeah, they, he, he still has time to develop. And I don't think he develops on the left side in Toronto anymore. Like, I don't, like, I don't think... Because like, he, he didn't jump into Jake Muzzin's spot. Especially considering that, you know, all signs point to the Leafs re-signing Muzzin. So now you look, you got Riley, Muzzin, and Sandine on the left side. So you got one of two options. You either, you know... Essentially, you scratch Dermot, which you're not going to do, nope. or you move him to the right side. Well, instead of doing that, why don't you use him as a trade chip to go and get a right shot defenseman who plays, you know, more of a defensive role, I guess, yeah. than Dermot does. 100. Uh, you know, try and find somebody who fits the mold that the Blue Jays need right now. You so I do Leafs, like not the Blue sorry, Jays. Sorry, yeah, I don't know why I said <laughs> the Blue Jays. Hey, man. Spring camp start, baby. You got yeah, baseball on the mind. Baseball on the mind. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said the Blue Jays, but. I like, I like that thought. It, it it's it's the only one that really makes sense to me because I I don't see a world where you can just because if you're the Leafs if you're gonna get something good you have to give something good in return 
right? Like, because obviously a, a Janssen or Kapanen isn't going to get it done for a top four defenseman. Like, no. they're they're just they're not that player. They're no. top nine forwards. Like, that's what they are. Like, you don't you don't trade you don't trade a third line a third liner for a top pairing defenseman. That's not like th- those are pieces you can use to add to them to deal to make it work. But you can't. They're not the focal points. Yeah, and adding and and just so you know, adding a third round pick doesn't get it done no either. yeah believe it or not <laughs> i'll give you captain and a third for dumba yeah no uh, i'm no. sorry all right we'll add no, no. we'll add a b-level prospect no. like brocco no the johnson's and captains of the world aren't the aren't the mainstay pieces of a deal they're players you can use to put as supporting pieces right yeah. they're supporting pieces in deal and i think travis dermis is the kind of guy on toronto that you can kind of focus on a deal about right like, cause I think he's the he he'd be the primary return. So, if we're crafting a deal, first of all, which player from Minnesota would you be most interested in? Dumba. I might be interested in Spurgeon, but anyways, either one Spurgeon of those two. I think Spurgeon would be. I think Spurgeon fits the mold of what Kyle Lewis is trying to build a little better than Matt Dumba, but I think Dumba is the better player. Okay. So what? Do you think it would take to get Matt Dumba or Jared Spurgeon? I, I personally, I think it would it probably the same package. I, I would value them as a very similar defenseman. Uh, yeah. Dumba's got a little less term and a little less AAV on his contract, so it might be a little bit more valuable. Because I think Spurgeon's got a new uh, like a five year deal that kicks in next year, mm-hmm. where Dumba only has three years left on his deal at six million. So uh, it's a little bit cheaper, a little bit more affordable. Regardless. Those are two players on the right side that the Leafs could definitely use. But what would it take? I think for Dumba, I think there is a little bit of a difference here. I think for Dumba, it requires a Kapanen or Janssen, a Dermot, and either a really good prospect or a pick. And I don't think the Leafs have a really good prospect, so I'd probably cost them another pick. Like, I don't think they have a good enough prospect to, to like actually like move the needle on a trade for Minnesota to want to do it. I mean, they would have to probably include... Nick Robertson. Yeah, I'd imagine it's Nick Robertson. Or, like, which they're not moving. Which they're not moving. Like, uh, or Lilligram, which they don't want to move either. Yeah. Th- those are the those are the go-to, I would say. I think for Spurgeon, you can get him a little, you can get a little cheaper. I don't think you have to throw in a cap in Rialton. I think you can get a little, you can throw someone a little cheaper. See, I disagree. I think it, I think you, you're underselling Spurgeon a little bit. I might be, but I also. There are some people out there, like I've seen uh, Evolving Wild has him as like, legitimately a top 10 defenseman in the league based on fancy stats. That's it. That I'm not going to go That into. seems like a bit of a but, stretch to me. Well, the numbers, I know, but I also numbers, really like, I really like Spurgeon. What I'm way. saying is the numbers say, right? So it, it depends on what's going on. The thing is, right? Like, so Bill Guerin, brand new GM, and he hasn't made a deal up until now. And what is an encouraging and a good sign is the fact that up until we see this trade for Zucker, I think, you didn't know. You didn't know if he what he was going to do, if he was going to take the full year to try and assess. Like, these guys aren't UFAs, so he doesn't have to move them. Nope. These are trades that can be done later on, whether it's at in the summer, at the draft. Uh, it can be done even next season. Yep. Like, like he, These are not expiring deals. But the fact that you see this trade happening now, a guy like Zucker, who's a top six player, good scorer, it seems like Minnesota's kind of thrown in the towel on this season, and with the new GM, they're going to want to go in a new direction. And what's the best way to, to, to kind of reshape your team? Picks and prospects. So you go out, you get a little bit younger. You go out, you get picks. You get a guy like Travis Dermott. Maybe you get a good young up-and-coming player like Kasperi Kapanen, who right now is a third liner, but I think he could be in a top-six role on some other team. 
Yep. Uh, so I, I do think that Toronto has the pieces to try and get something done. It's just whether or not, well, I think it's actually two things. <laughs> whether or not CC plays another game for the Leafs. So if he's on LTIR for the rest of the, the season and they know that's a fact. That's I a think big trade for that's the Maple a big, Well, it's just That's a big trade for them, too. It opens up flexibility for them to make a move. Or even Riley, too. Even, like, yeah. if, if CC and or Riley are on LTIR till the playoffs, that's, like, that that's a trade in itself for the Maple Leafs. Like, that, mm. that's free cap space for them. Yes and no. Like, I, I would rather a guy like Riley be on the ice for the last month than but hold them out just so you had a little bit more cap space. If you, if you knew today that the Leafs would make the playoffs. But I don't without, know that. No, but. No, but, I, a, but you don't. No, you hypothetical can't, Monday. You can't get hypothetical because that's not. If you knew I, not the Leafs would make the playoffs without Morgan Radley in their lineup, would you not want to keep him out to the playoffs? No. Why not? Okay, first of all, why do you need to open up that much cap space? They're not going to go ahead and make like enough size. They don't have enough assets, first of all, to make a sizable move to go out and get multiple big pieces, let alone why would you risk like why would you risk that? Yeah, I don't know. You're right. That's a silly. Right? And then you and then you bring in Riley who hasn't played in in 4 months and he's going to get right into the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. Like at least give him a couple like CC keep him out cuz he's you know the Leafs are better off with him not on the ice. Yeah. But Riley is a big addition to this team. Regardless of how poor he played this year, he hasn't been that bad. No, yeah, he, right? he's still Morgan Riley. Like, he's, he's still he's, the number one defenseman right now. He's still so, positive. Still on on February 11th. The number one defenseman on Toronto Maple Leafs is still Morgan Riley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I guess you're better off with your number one defenseman in your lineup. Exactly. <laughs> so, But, like, I don't know. I, it makes sense. If, they, if the Leafs need it, I would, I would consider it. If they're okay, then I would consider it. I'd consider... Well, the thing is, like, you don't really need to have both of them off. I think, because if you're adding a guy like Kaplan yeah, or Janssen, that's cap space leaving, too. Yeah. Right? Along with... The, the Cody like if CC's I think if CC's out that there's no issues whatsoever. Oh yeah, that opens up four and a half million dollars in cap space regardless. And then on top of that, you you dish out Capitan and Janssen are both making a more a, more than above three, three million. That's seven, seven mil seven million cap. You're not bringing in anybody making more than that. Yeah, like you can bring in Petrangelo on that cap number. Yeah, I know Petrangelo like six seven or something. Something like that. Something in the sixes. But like. There's, yeah, you're right. There's not many. So there's no need to go out and create $13 million in cap space because you're not going to fill it all anyways. Maybe Kyle Dubas has something planned. Maybe he has something oh. bigger planned that like we just don't know. Wouldn't that be crazy? No, because the team can't. They can't. Who knows, man? Who The thing is, okay, here's the thing. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors in other GM's offices or even these GM offices, right? Like people have crazy, crazy things all the time, right? I'd oh, imagine. So Freddie Anderson traded for like Carey Price. Yeah, maybe that's a deal. <laughs> maybe he's got that cooking up. Oh, okay, I, I doubt it. I don't. I don't. I don't see him making a move for Carey Price. But like, that's a thing too. Like, I, I it's hard to just know. Like, <laughs> I know people like to get crazy in Toronto, and I'm I'm also one of the people that like to get crazy, wild with ideas, and I am crazy wild with ideas. But like, I don't know. They could. He could have something something cooking. What if he has a trade for Drew Doughty planned? He's just and maybe Kyle Lucas's plan is just to recreate the 2014 LA Kings who squeaked into the playoffs, the eighth seed, and just ran through the cup. They already have two of the three pieces, like two of the three. That Campbell, Campbell wasn't on that team, I don't think. Yeah, it was. Was he? Was yeah. he the backup at that time? Oh, I think it was. Sorry, yeah, no. I don't think Campbell was a backup, but no, Clifford and Muzzin, 
They were big parts of that. They they won those cups. I don't think Campbell won the cup. No, he didn't. I don't, yeah, I think he was still at Dallas when LA won both their cups. But like, it's kind of what Kyle Dubas is doing, right? He's kind of recreating the 2014 LA Kings. They're very different, but very different styles. Different but I mean, like, I don't know. That's what he's doing. We'll see. I, I think uh, the Leafs do need to make a move. They do need to bring in another defenseman, or the team's going nowhere. They're a first round exit. I think at the very least, the Leafs bring in Dylan DeMello. Like the, at the very least, they make a trade for somebody like that. Yeah. Like if, let's hope if they swing for the fences because I feel like they are swinging for the fences right now. If they come up short, they're going to bring up a, a cheaper guy like DeMello. That yeah. that would be my guess. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. They they'll, they'll do something. Yeah. Something will be done. This the the way that the roster is constructed right now. I would be very hard pressed to believe that that is going to be the way that it shapes up by the playoffs. All right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron 222. And if you could, please, if you're going and subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you do it, if you could leave a review, that would be awesome as well. Uh, always looking to get some reviews. Some feedback would be nice, too. Ooh. Always looking to improve. Always Whoa, looking to wow. improve the pod. I know. Expanding. <laughs> All right. Be sure to check back here tomorrow night. We'll recap tonight's matchup between the Leafs and Coyotes. A side note, it looks like, who's say, Justin Hall and Tavares are going to be out? Uh, they might be out. Okay. So they have game, the flu. They have the flu. Game time decisions with the flu. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll update you on Twitter what's going on there. I will before before game time. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked on Leaps.